Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Tuesday, May 16th. It is six minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me on Twitter as well at CaseyDaniels317. You can find us both on YouTube right now as we live stream the show. Just type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. All right, we talked a little bit about Tucker Carlson with Nigel earlier. Let's keep going. One quarter of U.S. adults say they watch Fox News less often now that Tucker Carlson has departed the network. It seems like a lot of people, because I've always kind of believed, look, you saw what O'Reilly left, that everybody kind of freaked out and said, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to Fox News after O'Reilly? And oftentimes, we talked about it in this this building, that the entity itself will always be bigger than whatever performer performs on it. There was only one person in the history of media where that wasn't true, and that was Rush Limbaugh, where Rush Limbaugh was bigger than the industry itself. Mm -hmm. And noon to three across this country has yet, I mean, he's been gone two and a half years, and it is yet to recover, and it it probably never will. There'll never be another uber-dominant destination listening from California to Maine and all points in between like Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. And so, like, when O'Reilly left, people freaked out. But, look, O'Reilly went under a cloud of scandal. Yes. You know, he went, obviously, he was an incredibly talented guy, but he was sort of his own worst enemy, a person who appeared oftentimes to lack a lot of self-control, and and it and it did him in. And Tucker came in and took over, and Fox News did just fine. I'm not sure it's going to be the same for Fox News this time around, because Tucker was one of the folks— And Tucker was taken down over something that a lot of people, right or wrong, believe is a serious issue, which is the integrity of voting in this country, the tabulation of ballots in this country, the machines that are tabulating the ballots. And that is many people inside of a out of the core of the Fox News viewership. Yeah. So I'm not even sure it's so much as, oh, my gosh, Tucker is so great and so wonderful and so amazing. He's a very talented guy, obviously. But it may be the issue at hand by which he was shown the door. Right, exactly. And that's where people are going to be turned off. He was arguably one of the most, aside from Donald Trump, the most powerful voice in the Republican Party. And uh, people, it's almost like he got too powerful for the network and that scared them. Because when you're the boss and you lose control of the talent... It's it's role reversal. You can't tell them what to do. They're telling you what they're going to do. Well, here's what's interesting. So Mediaite had a story out that said CNN on Friday during prime time had fewer total uh, average total viewers than Newsmax. Mm-hmm. That is an incredible indictment on cable television uh, that a, a, you know, at one point CNN was the... No, look, that was the 80s, the 90s. But at one point, CNN was the place for cable news. It was the worldwide, what was it, the worldwide leader in news or whatever the, Mm -hmm. you know, James Earl Jones. This is CNN. And they are now losing to Newsmax, which, yes, Newsmax has a very avid following. But you look at access to Newsmax, homes it's in, cable packages it's a part of. It doesn't even scratch the surface of a CNN. And so what it says is people are saying in our business, and it's part of it's 
partially why what we do every day is so impressive. And it's this is a commentary on how impressive our audience is. When you give the people what they want, they will find you, mm-hmm. right? And I think you may know our show. It's number one in the it money is. demo. You it may is. have heard that it very well. One. Now, it's really weird because the people down the street from us, the state house, say nobody listens. Right. But the scientific ratings say that we're number one. So I don't know who you're going to believe. Are you going to believe Jim Lucas or the scientific ratings? I don't know. But we'll go with the scientific ratings because Holcomb said trust the science. So in trusting the science, <laughs> we're number one because we give the people what they can't get somewhere else. And I think kind of our our niche is telling you all of these people are awful and they're all horrific. <laughs> and every single one of them, for the most part, is actively working against you, whether it's an R or a D or a, or a whatever. Yes. So the same thing is kind of now happening, you're seeing with cable news, which is, yeah, okay, you're on cable and you're in homes, but a la Tucker Carlson now looking at going to Twitter, if you're good enough, People can find you. Right. He doesn't need cable news. They need him. And that's show that's being proven with the ratings sinking. And he, like you mentioned, he left still very likable and on good terms with his audience. It's not like he pulled a Don Lemon. Right. You know, in, in, in this poll even says 45% had a somewhat favorable view of him and 72% of Republicans, his prime target audience, right. they love him. So now that he's gone, where are they going to go? They're they're going to follow him to Twitter, right? If that's what he's going to do. Um, do you find you probably were you a big watcher of Tucker? I know Nigel no. was. I would watch him every night. And now I find myself watching Jesse Waters, Casey, I have, to fill that void. Well, and and that's interesting that you do this because I have long said I immerse myself in this stuff mm-hmm. while it is part of my job, and then I get away from it yeah. because I am on the verge of having a stroke slash heart attack already <laughs> doing this for whatever it ends up being six, seven, eight hours a day. And uh, there's only so much inflamed rage you can have in your existence before eventually the body just ceases to work anymore. <laughs> so no, I have always tried to get away from it outside of the immersion I do for this show. Mm-hmm. It is 12 minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Let's talk about what's going on with Kathy Hochul. She told Al Sharpton that her state is busting at the seams with illegal immigrants. So this is the governor of New York. Mm-hmm. And this audio is just everything liberalism. So she's she starts out pretty good. She's talking about, you know, we're you know, just busting at the seams, as you said, with all these illegal immigrants and look at what it's doing to our state and the drain on the resources and, you know, this and that. But then she pivots and she starts talking about all the things that they're trying to do to help said illegal immigrants. So it is just every, you know, you identify the problem. Right. You acknowledge the problem. But instead of rectifying the problem, you start talking about the things you're doing to make the problems worse. Well, Reverend Al, hearing the numbers going down is good news, but it's small comfort to us because the word we're getting is that the majority of these individuals who are crossing, it's still high numbers, are coming to New York State. And we already have over 61,000, over 40,000 houses in New York City. They're bursting at the seams, and Mayor Adams is doing the very best he can in a difficult situation. We have stepped in $1 billion from the state budget I just enacted. We also are giving legal help to people, and now we're in the position of trying to help find places for these individuals. I asked the federal government 
to give us emergency funding. I'm asking for federal installations like military installations to help out. Let us have a large field and operations. We can put up the tents. You're going to start seeing people living in tents, not just on the border, but in the streets of New York and across New York State, because we've reached a breaking point. Okay, well, didn't she want all of those people to come? That's a great question, Casey. Yeah, uh, New York City, a sanctuary city. And, you know, Eric Adams has been pushing back on the Biden administration about this. And it's being reported now that there is a rift between him and the Biden administration. And they had all of these Democrats cut this video recently where they're all, oh, Biden's the greatest. We love you, Joe. We love you, Joe. You're fantastic. Four more years of Joe. But they did not invite Eric Adams to be part of that video. I think that's a good thing for Eric Adams because now he doesn't have that albatross hanging around his neck. He can say what he wants. He doesn't have to placate the Biden administration anymore. Here's my question. And if I ran a state and if this state were ever lucky enough to have me run the state, mm-hmm. um, then maybe we would find out. But what, let's just say you were the governor of New York and you said, all right, I am uh, organizing 100 school buses and everyone will be put on the school buses. And we're going to instruct said school bus drivers to drive to the southern border and drive across the border and then just say, thank you. You are back where you came from. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the rest of your day. Why can't we just do that? Mm. Good- I'm not even asking that as a facetious question. If you actually wanted to solve the issue, why are you giving them legal help? Why are you setting up tents? You, are you here illegally? Okay, on the bus. Let's go. Well, not just legal help. There's a bill in California now that's going to provide them with unemployment benefits. <laughs> That's my point. They want them here. They are invested in them. They're mad that they are there in the sense of they're mad that they've got to actually, you know, now put up or shut up. But the Democrats as a collective, like the individual mayor of the city where where they go or the governor of the state where they go may not want them. But as a collective, the Democrats are wholly invested. Casey, I have a question for you. What's that? And this is a half year show. Mm-hmm. So you can totally veto this idea if you want to. Okay. When we come back, yeah. I found this clip of Ron Paul. Yes. And yes. I believe it is from the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the danger of printing money. <laughs> and I think it is the most awesome thing we may have ever played on this radio show, but I would like your permission to play it when we come you back. You want to play it next? Yes. Let's do it. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Good morning. It is 20 minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and trending this hour. 50 bucks. That's what it's going to cost you to park at the Geis Waterfront Park. The Fisher City Council <laughs> voted to have <laughs> non-residents pay $50 to park a vehicle at the park. Apparently, they only have space for 240 vehicles, but 300 swimmers. So uh, if you don't uh, live there in Fishers, you're going to have to pay up if you want to go. I mean, this is the equivalent of them just extending a giant middle finger to everyone else. I mean, why don't they just say, we don't want you here? I would have way more respect if they just extended, if the Fisher City Council and that loser mayor um, extended a giant middle finger to 
the citizenry and just said, this is what we think of you. We don't want you in our community. Get a Scott Fadness. That's mm-hmm. the horrific mayor of Fishers. You may remember him, Casey. He's the guy who during COVID, during the busiest time of the year, Christmas time, just arbitrarily decided all bars and restaurants must, they were open, but then they must shut down at a certain time. Yeah, because that's when COVID will stop. Yeah, that's right. That's when COVID is most <laughs> it knows dangerous. how to tell time. After whatever it was, 9 p.m., 10 p.m., whatever. So mm-hmm. Scott Fadness is a total loser, uh, and this absolutely makes sense. And I, as someone who occasionally does have to venture through Fisher slash Geist, would have just appreciated if Scott Fadness would have actually got right up in my grill, extended his middle finger just right in front of my nose, and said, this is what we think of you, and we don't want you here. Just to be clear, this is it. Also trending, well, this is actually last night this was trending, and into the night and early morning. It's, it's starting to die off a little bit, but I thought I'd share it with you anyway. Trending was the phrase, George Soros is dead. Oh, yes, I saw this. Okay, uh, somebody tweeted out, George Soros has died of a violent heart attack, and... <laughs> This is not true. He has since replied, rumors that I had a heart attack are completely false. I am alive and healthy. Am I allowed to do the thing about you'd have to have a heart to have a heart attack? Or would that, <laughs> right. get, would that get me in trouble? No, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> it's it's true. For the record, I didn't actually do it. I just asked if I could do mm-hmm. it. And finally... Can Vivek redeem himself from yesterday? Well, you sure hope so. Do you remember yesterday we played you some audio? He was saying how he wanted to raise the voting age to 25. This is this is with your, some exceptions. This is your boyfriend Vivek Ramaswamy, who well, you love, and just basically took a Hirohanzo sword and shoved it into his stomach yesterday. He did. He missed the mark <laughs> on that one yesterday. He said, "Let's raise the voting age to 25." Okay, I'm open to that conversation. But then he started, unless you're in the military, and unless you do this unless okay once you start putting conditions on it Uh that's where you lost me but here he is today trying to redeem himself being much more reagan-esque we've spent a couple of decades celebrating our diversity and our differences so much that we forgot all the ways we are really just the same as americans all right our diversity is not our strength Our strength is what unites us across our diversity. Thank you. Without those ideals, we're really just... Stop. Just Casey. No? No good? Still? Look, here's the thing, Casey. Yeah. Okay? And we all have our favorites, and we're all allowed to cheer for whoever we want to cheer for. You know he's not my favorite. Well, you... That's... uh, (laughs) I'd like to see your favorite then, because you're... I mean... I don't see you playing Asa Hutchinson clips every single day with a twinkle in your eye. And well, it, we talk about Ron DeSantis enough that we don't need to add well, his he, audio. He has a legitimate shot to be the president. That and is you the know, difference. You know Ron DeSantis is my favorite. Well, I just, I, look, I'm just saying we may need to put a, just a, even if it's a temporary ban, yeah. to save you from yourself. On Vivek. Because this is getting a little <laughs> bit out of control. What, what did you think about what he said, though? Diversity is not our strength. Our strength is what unites us across a diversity. Somebody wrote some very nice words on a paper for him to read, which apparently, based on this little commentary the other day, Mm -hmm. um, somebody needs to be writing words on the paper for him to read every day, and that's all he should do is read the words on the paper. It's 25 minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. All right, set up the Ron Paul clip from the 80s. So I'm guessing, based on the... There was no date on this, but I'm guessing based on the way he looked, the color of his hair, the video clip, the quality of the video, this is somewhere in the the 1980s. It may have actually been around the time he ran for president in 1988. Um, 
Ron Paul, this video, and him talking about what happens when you print money like it's going out of style and who it hurts and the impact it has on a nation and on the individual, it is could have been done today and it would fit right in. But as usual, Ron Paul was just absolutely light years ahead of the curve. And you know that I just have you know, I have a soft spot in general for the elderly mm-hmm. in, in my heart, period, much less Ron Paul. So everyone should totally just be able to enjoy this and take this with them throughout the day. There is no other power greater than the power over money, the power to create and contract the money supply, the power to control the purchasing power of your money. Throughout history, this has proven to be the most sought after monopolistic power of man. And it has become more sophisticated over the decades and over the centuries, more sophisticated now and more international in scope than ever before. So I see the issue of power and the control over money as being something that we cannot ignore, we must address. I believe closely associated with this is the issue of morality as well. By what moral right do we have to create purchasing power out of thin air? Whether it's done by the creation of credit or Federal Reserve notes or whether it's the creation of SDRs in an international scope, by what right do they do this? Is it any more moral to dilute the value of your purchasing power with the money you hold in your wallet than it is for the farmer to dilute the milk supply with water? I would say there's an issue of morality here just as strong as the issue of power. I happen to believe also because it's a moral issue more than an economic issue. It is for this reason that the people have lost trust in their government, trust in the banks, trust in business, trust in themselves, and that we are a nation of distrust. And it's for this reason I believe that until we restore trust in government, trust in the system, and trust in the money, there will be no resolution of this problem. It is the issue of trust in people and trust in money that must come before you can start talking about nickeling and diming it, trying to get back to a balanced budget, because that certainly hasn't worked. Trust in money, trust in people who have the money. I thought the analogy of the farmer with the milk, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you went to go buy milk and it was totally diluted and the milk was half the quality that it was the last time you were there, people would be outraged. But yet when the government does it with something that's even more important than milk, it's the ability to buy absolutely everything. Oh, oh, I get $5,000. That's exciting. Thanks, Biden. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. When she was Question. Answer. Better seen in a movie where this is the backing song. Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. where the uh, senator's daughter is driving, or Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where they're pulling into the parking lot at the, at the on the first day of school. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I don't like that Silence of the Lambs movie at all. <laughs> at all. It's oh, traumatizing. Okay, Casey, I need a audience participation here for this next segment. By the way, it is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. That's Casey. So this has been going on for several years now, and I've tried to keep our listeners apprised of this. It stopped for a while, and I thought they'd figured it out. <laughs> so Indianapolis area code is 317. Mm-hmm. Louisiana has an area code that is 318. And a couple years ago, and we talked about this at length when the other blonde lady worked here, I got on a text thread for the Louisiana Republicans in the Louisiana legislature 
because my number is the same as someone in the legislature except for the area code, apparently. You're off by one digit. And over all of these years, I've been on individual text messages. Yeah. I've been on group text messages. There was a point where I knew the entire strategy <laughs> for the Louisiana legislature on a bevy of topics. And if you ever question how stupid these people are who run society, think about this. They're doing a group text, giving their detailed strategy. And if I didn't just think it was hilarious and use it for this show so we could chuckle about it. I mean, like you could, the, right. the Democrats could have done real damage. That's how stupid these people are. So it disappeared for a while. I thought maybe they finally figured it out and removed me. But it has started again with an individual that works in the legislature. It's an aide or something, I think, of some sort. You are definitely listed as somebody's contact. And this person keeps text messaging me, and I never respond to them, like, ever. And they're talking to me about specific bills. I need to talk to you about Frank's bill. Mm-hmm. And... Like, I never respond, and I'm thinking, how stupid do you have to be? Because they clearly must see these people in the hallways. Hey, Joe. Why didn't you reply? (laughs) And this apparently never happens. And so I'm wondering, how do I get the most good out of this? I think you should reply. Should I? But then am I impersonating an elected official if I do that? Are you? (laughs) Are you? Because like, you can, like, like impersonate let me, an let, let me, let me read the, an example for you. Okay? okay. Shall we go through the text messages? Yeah. Um, uh, let me read, let me read you the, just, this is just a string. This was uh, December 21st, uh, food in ante room. Then at some point in 2022, I was sent a meme uh, from Boss Hog of uh, the Boss Hog from the uh, what was the Dukes of Hazard? Dukes of Hazard with a lot of profanity on it. Uh, gl- uh, Ju- July 24th of last year. Glad you're better and headed home. Oh, uh, April 25th. I need to speak to you before Edmonston's bill today. Huh. Today, 11:13. We're hearing Freeburg now, and I just thought about like, what if I responded? Freeberg is an a-hole. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Like, what would he do? Right. He'd totally freak out. <laughs> and at this point, all of these, I mean, it's years of text messages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't I finally deserve to be able to stick it to this moron in some capacity? I have the line for you. Yes. Tell me more. <laughs> Just reply with that. Tell but am me I, more. Am I You're not get- impersonating anybody. You're just saying, tell me more. Tell me <laughs> More. Tell me more. Sent. Oh, you're in it now. I mean, I've been at this for years now. We've been laughing at these yeah. people, and I've never engaged. Well, clearly, this person thinks they know you. That's a good point. On some level, because Maybe they're sending they you respond. memes and things like that. So I think, tell me more. Rob Kendall was extradited to the state of Louisiana <laughs> today. <laughs> what got you in trouble, Mr. Kendall? Uh, she said, tell me more. <laughs> so uh, we would welcome your thoughts. Mm-hmm. On what I should do, if you'd like to call the hotline, 317-684-8444, we would welcome your thoughts and comments on how I should handle this, because this has been going on for years now, and these people are so incompetent that... They they think you're somebody else. I, I'm telling you, when they when they start to reply, that's all you need to say. Okay. Tell me more. Absolutely. And let them tell you more. 
We'll get some good content out of it. And we'll be completely up to date of what is going on in Louisiana <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. It's 11.38. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And you want to talk about Edward Furlong. This is the, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a grown man now, 45 years old, but he was a child actor. Yes, Terminator 2. Terminator 2, right? And uh, he's been kind of out of the public eye for many, many years and has now reappeared and looks nothing like he did when he was a child. Yes. So this guy, Edward Furlong is his name. He was, as Casey said, a great child star was in Terminator 2, which was one of the highest grossing movies of all time at the time. I think still today, uh, you know, up in the upper echelon of, of box office smash hits. He developed a very serious drug problem. Mm-hmm. And his life was pretty much derailed. I think he had some some cr- criminal-related issues to drugs, maybe some uh, other areas. I mean, he just completely, his life was derailed, and he has now resurfaced. Not that he's acting or anything like that. He was just strolling somewhere in, in California, Hollywood, Los Angeles, whatever, and he was photographed. And it was so... Like, it's one thing when you see a child star who remains somewhat... Like Sean Ashton, Ashton, mm-hmm. Ashton, whatever his name is from Goonies. Yeah. You know, he became Rudy. Rudy. You see him evolve. He's an older man now, but you have seen him. Ricky Schroeder, mm-hmm. John Cus, you know, Cusack, uh, Ronnie Howard, you know, the, these people that you, yeah. you see. Yes, they look older and you look different. And you go, oh, remember when he was Opie Taylor? But you've seen that person. Mm-hmm. And it is so weird of these people who, when you see them when they're young and then they kind of disappear... They're forever entrenched in your mind as that person. And I'm looking at this guy who is now, you know, he's whatever he is now. He's several years older than me in his mid, late 40s. 45. 45. And you're looking at this guy going, that looks nothing like him. I would not have even known. Yeah. I would have not known. And so it is so weird. And it is often true, too, about people who die very young. It's like, why is Jimi Hendrix or Janis Joplin or Keith, or Keith Morris, Jim Morrison, why are they so revered? Keith Moon, I was putting two guys together. Mm -hmm. Because you always forever remember them as that thing. Yeah, they're evergreen young. They're forever young in your mind's eye. Yeah. It was just very very alarming. I was like, yikes. And he looks nothing like what he did as a child. Obviously, he's not going to. He's aged. I haven't aged at all. I'm curious how the photographer even knew that it was him, unless they're staking him out. They're, you know, the paparazzi following the guy. Don't they get it? Well, this is your neck of the woods. You did a style show. Mm -hmm. Don't they? uh, Me and Jen Psaki. Yeah, don't they text (laughs) you like so-and-so's at the ice cream shop, and you're going to need to get down here and... Interview him, and that how it works? No, not at all. Set those up in advance. But this photographer found him, took pictures, knew who he was. Yeah, I wouldn't have known who he was. Um, You know, there are a lot of child actors that are just were famous when they were little, but then got out of it. And if you saw him again, would you recognize him? Right. Can you? I mean, like, do you remember the little kid from the movie The Shining? Yeah. Red Rom, yeah. Red Rom. I mean, you know exactly who that little kid is, right? In the movie that he was from, mm-hmm. he left acting. Yep. He's a veterinarian now. Yeah. Well, if some, you saw him as an adult, you would have no idea that that's that little Red Rom. Kid. Somebody posted just today a photo of those twins. I mean, they're old the, ass. Uh, the girls yeah, from The Shining. Yeah, they're they're old Wouldn't women now, yep. right? I mean, it's like see them and there they are, and it's like wow, yikes. Uh. Um, but that is why I've taken such. 
care of myself over the years, Casey. To preserve yourself? And so, especially after I got my hair trans... The one thing that was giving away my age was my We Grow Hair Indie... Uh, or my hair, and then after my We Grow Hair Indie hair transplant, uh-huh. took ten I, years I off. I feel like I am just every bit look every bit the same as I did at twenty years old. It is eleven forty-two. It's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC, and uh, coming up this Memorial Weekend, do you have plans? I know you you got a week to plan. I'll you be got- working, Casey. I'll be doing the same thing I do every day. I'll be working. Triple Thank- A. What? Well, Go I was ahead. just going to say thanks to the Republicans, oh, keeping the taxes very, very low. Just for fun, I thought I'd like to be away from my family and work. Yeah. Um, you lament, never never pass up a chance to lament on that. Right, absolutely. Inflation and everything. AAA is predicting that 42.3 million Americans are going to travel this Memorial Day. And it's a 7% increase over 22. So airports and hotels going to be busier than ever. And... If you were inclined to go somewhere Memorial Day, would you be nervous? I mean, think of everything that Pete Buttigieg has been up against when it comes to air travel. And here we go again, and they're saying it's going to be busier even than it was last year. No. Would you gamble that at all? No, and you know why? Because I don't fly. Fly. I I don't care if Donald Trump or Pete Buttigieg or whoever is in charge. You're going to have to work harder than a plane crash to get rid of me. It's almost like you have to pad your vacation with another day just in case. Yeah, that's why I don't go on vacation. It's more work when you get home than if you just stayed home. It's true. you got to uh, clear out all those emails, All too. right, when we come back, Nikki Kelly's going to join us. She's got a great new piece out about all these communities building these monstrosities for the sports teams. You mean stadiums? Yeah, that's it. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. You know, Casey, uh, local governments across central Indiana are spending a gajillion dollars on what I like to call bright, shiny objects. (laughs) Gajillion, huh? Uh, Yes, absolutely. Well, we did have the mayor of Noblesville Noblesville on last week, and he was talking about that complex they're building there, $36 million. And you think, wow, okay. But that's not the only one. They're popping up all over the state. There's one in Fishers for the fuel. There's going to be something on the campus of the University of of IUPUI. In Lebanon? uh, It's all all over the place, public money going for these sports stadiums slash sports complexes. And it was also on the mind of our good friend Nikki Kelly from the India, uh, Indiana Capital Chronicle. She had a fabulous piece out, which you can find over at IndianaCapitalChronicle.com. Nikki, I'm glad to see that you're thinking along the same lines that we are. This is concerning the amount of money going to these sports stadiums. Yeah, I, I mean, when the news about the Fort Wayne Mad Ants came out that they were going to move down to Noblesville, I was like, oh, interesting. I obviously worked and lived in Fort Wayne for years and I thought that was kind of sad for them. And I've also noticed with the Indy Fuel, I mean, it seems like we're kind of, the communities are kind of cannibalizing each other almost, yeah. you know, who can offer the biggest, better, you know, thing. And so, then once I started doing some, get, you know, Googling, I was like, wow, 
we've got a lot of this going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, um, and, 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 and uh, your your piece is great over at Indiana Capital Chronicle because you kind of lay out, hey, look, the the the, the uh, cause du jour of this was Grand Park mm-hmm. out in Westfield, and that's gone so poorly that the city is trying to unload Grand Park to a a private developer. There's not a lot of track record of great success with these uh, these sports stadiums publicly funded. Yeah, I mean, I've only been to Grand Park once, which was ironically for a Donald Trump <laughs> rally before it really opened. Um, but it was supposed to be like, you know, the Taj Mahal, right, of, mm-hmm. of these kinds of facilities. And maybe they're still making money, but uh, usually you don't try to sell a, a well-performing asset. And they clearly had misjudged how much it was worth, and they've now started to keep it. But also now they're going to have a bunch of new competitors. So how is that going to be? Well, yeah. And Nikki Kelly's our guest. She has a new piece over at Indiana Capital Chronicle about the, I mean, it's all over central Indiana now. These communities investing in sports stadiums, sports complexes, big money. So the mayor of Noblesville came in here last week, Casey or mm-hmm. uh, uh, Nikki, as Casey alluded to. And he's adamant, oh, this is the greatest thing ever and it's going to make so much money. And he didn't really have an answer when we asked him. We said, well, look, if this is the case, wh- why, why are you the ones figuring it out? There's not a lot of detail on how they're going to make all this money. Yeah, I mean, I think my overall concern is, and this is in general a theme I'm seeing with economic development per se, is that um, the, it's the it's the city and the state and the towns that are taking the risk now instead of the private sector. And um, I'm not exactly sure when that happened, but over the last couple of years, that's what we're seeing more of is just, you know, the private sector, for whatever reason, isn't willing to invest in that or get financing for that. So now the locals are doing it instead. Nikki, have you heard, so youth sports across the country is a $19 billion industry. Have you heard anything uh, from the legislature that Indiana wants to be the premier state for youth sports to cash in all this money? Because with these complexes popping up everywhere, it sure seems like it. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about youth sports specifically. I mean, there's always been a talk of how Indiana has positioned itself as sort of a sports, you know, venue place. And obviously, we've hosted amazing major events in a great fashion. Um, so I think that's just sort of trickling down, you know, from from the pros to college. Now we're going further down into youth sports. It's also, it, Nikki, it's also an interesting thing because we keep hearing from the state lawmakers, like when they did nothing with property taxes. Oh, well, we don't want to harm our local governments. How would we fund the local governments? And they act like if they did something with property taxes, well, the roads would just crater in. The reality is Noblesville has $36.5 million to help the pacers. So, I mean, it kind of dilutes the argument of, well, if we did anything, these governments would cease to exist. Yeah, I mean, there's always a priority with their with their funding, and the easy one to go to is roads. And obviously, you and I disagree a little bit on property taxes, and I, you know, do think they need a certain level of of money to do core services. I would not call this a core service, <laughs> but that's just me. Hey, I want to switch gears real quick. You guys have covered this in depth. You had another uh, great piece out, which we covered yesterday on the program, about how much the governor now is going to make mm. under this new uh, uh, budget bill and all these statewide offices. It seems like people are really upset over the raises that were allocated to these statewide office holders. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely seeing a lot of, you know, commentary on social media about that. Um, and again, I, I don't know that anyone is necessarily saying they didn't deserve some sort of raise or, you know, maybe we could phase it in or something like that. But these are massive spikes all at once. In addition, they're still tied to growth in other state employees' raises, so they'll continue growing. And, you know, and it was all done in secret. And that's, I think, the big part of it. Uh, We've heard a lot, a lot of pushback occasionally on, well, you didn't say anything when the city council did it. Well, first of all, we cover state news and we didn't exist then. <laughs> second of all, this, you know, the city council did it in public. They did it with open ordinances and and debate. And this, you know, we knew about for 24 hours before it was passed into law. Well, you, you've talked a lot about this and you're always very, I know in your editorials, you get into opinion sometime, but you're reporting, you're very fair. And, and so we say things a little different than you do, but I maintain they do this stuff in secret. And you've lamented kind of the lack of transparency that's grown over the years of the state house because they don't fear losing anymore and so it's like well we're gonna give our buddies raises what are you gonna do about it and i think a an uncompetitive indiana has made transparency worse in the state yeah it definitely hasn't helped um you know there was no reason why raises for top elected officials shouldn't have gone through the normal process that's what was done the last time they did it i think in 2007 so there is a way to do this and build your case for something Mm -hmm. if your case is out there but that is not what they choose to do Nikki, uh, you are fabulous. We appreciate you getting in on these uh, bright, shiny objects. The, I, I refer to them as monstrosities. I know you didn't use that word in your uh, in your piece, but uh, getting in on these local governments, spending big on the sports complexes, and appreciate all you guys do over at Indiana Capital Chronicle. Well, thanks for having me. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. Good job today, and thank you for listening. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.